Open your Bibles, if you would, in your Old Testament. The book of Joshua, chapter 23. Familiar passage. Joshua, chapter 23. God blessed America. A little bit of opinion here before we talk to about the Word of God. I don't think that our current crisis is an existential crisis for our nation. You know, we bandy that word about. That seems to be the buzzword this decade. Everything is an existential crisis. I don't think so. Whatever the social issue of the day is, that does not have to destroy us. True, if we decide to fight and split, we can do that. But there are greater issues than just some of the social issues that we fight about. Coming together to live under a particular legal system is a big thing. Nations survive because as a people we choose to submit to a system of laws and rules and courts. When we choose to do that we will survive. We will fuss and feud but we will survive. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for your presence. We talk a lot about fighting, and we're doing a lot of that this year, in this decade. We have a lot of unresolved issues, a lot of anger, a lot of baggage from years gone by. Father, help us. The scriptures teach us that one of the fruits of your spirit is self-control. Something we desperately need. Help us to control our anger at others. Help us, Father, to control the way we say things, the way we think. Help us to willingly submit our thoughts, our actions, our words to the leadings of your spirit. Help us to fight when it is appropriate. Help us to cease from fighting and to know that time. There are many issues we fight about. You know them all. We ask for wisdom. The tendency is just to want to make people to be like us, whatever us is. Help us to resist that. Help us to resist the tendency as Christians to want to make people live Christian lives by law. We know that's always a failed enterprise. We have a tendency to distort and pervert the gospel when we gain power. Help us to refrain from that. There are strident voices among us. Help us to listen to them and learn perhaps. But give us a willingness to resist those strident voices and instead work for peace. You taught us that blessed are the peacemakers. Help us to understand that that is a value for Christians. To work for peace. Not to always agree, but to peaceably disagree. Help us to remember that people who disagree with us are like us, created in your image, worthy of love and respect. 
Father, this weekend, we recognize your gifts to our nation. We are always aware of what you've done here. But this week in particular, we worship with a mind towards our nation's history. We are wealthy and powerful. We live lives that are privileged lives in terms of history. Help us to remember that. Give us grateful hearts. Help us to always be aware that the things that we have been given can be taken away the moment we turn from you. We ask for faith and hope and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On screen is a picture. You've probably never seen it before. I'd never seen it until late last night. I, I saw early this morning. I had one of those nights where I woke up at 2 o'clock. I do this often. And I just get up anymore. I used to try to lay in the dark and, you know, watch the clock. And I've tried that game. And I'm not very good at it. So I just get up and read. I get a lot of reading done between 2 and 5 in the morning. There's not many people up. The purring of my cat is an annoying thing at that time. But, you know, I can read. One of my friends posted this story, true story from the American Revolutionary War. Springfield, New Jersey, there was a huge battle. Local pastor and army chaplain James Caldwell was leading the charge. He happened to be a song leader. In those days, muskets needed paper wadding. You, some of you know what that means. You had to use pieces of paper wadded down the barrel to keep things together so the guns could shoot. It's just the nature of that ancient technology. And they ran out of paper. The American soldiers did. So the pastor slash song leader slash guy with the keys ran to the local church, grabbed a book of hymnals, a box of hymnals, and threw them to his soldiers. In those days, one of the hymnals that they were using were using songs written by a guy named James Watts. And he said, give them Watts, boys. Give them Watts. Meaning, take the, images, hymns, the pages of that hymnal, rip them up, and use those to load your weapons so we can continue the fight. True story. I tell you that because we fuss and feud about whether or not we are a Christian nation, about whether or not God works with us or not. I have pastor friends who say we really shouldn't talk about God's blessings on our nation because of the fear of an extreme nationalism. And so sometimes they go overboard and I have pastor friends that we're going to have a July 4th service without talking about nationalism or the way God has blessed our people and so on and so forth. And yet we have a history full of stories just like this one where God's people made do with whatever they had and saw it as blessing from God. So today we're going to talk about how God has worked within us as a people to bring us a nation. Not a perfect nation, but a nation that is a wonderful place. Just to get it out of the way, we got problems, don't we? We've all talked about it. You know what I'm talking about. It's no longer just one issue or one group of people. We got problems. We are a dysfunctional family. We have chosen this decade to fight over everything. We've lost the ability to think clearly, to act peaceably, to speak with grace towards others. I say this often, somebody might listen someday, before you click send, stop and think, 
test your message against the message of the gospel. Is it gracious? Is it edifying? Does it build up the body of Christ? You can express your convictions peaceably and in a way that honors Christ. Jesus did that. It's always been a challenge for us. Continues to be so. So today when we talk about our nation, we're not talking about a perfect place, are we? We're talking about a group of people that are doing this messy thing called democracy. By definition, a group of people who disagree on a lot of stuff, but they've decided to stand together. So of course it's going to be messy. I talk about my family often. I love my family. I would die for them. We were having a discussion over something. I don't remember. It was a meaningless thing probably. And I disagreed with all of them on something had said so. And they, they had the audacity to jump down my throat. I raised those kids. I wanted to say, I gave you life and I can take it away, you know, like they do on TV. But I refrained, didn't get mad because I knew they loved me, and they do love me. But they disagreed on that thing, and I, again, I can't even remember what it was. I look at that and think, you know, that's, that's the way it has to be, isn't it? We can fight, we can choose to fight, we can choose to reject each other and lose. And we will, if that's what we choose. So sometimes we need to be reminded, not just of what God has done in the past, but what it takes to experience God's blessings in the present. So today we're going to look at that. A story of Joshua, old guy, end of his ministry, end of his leadership. Follow along with me if you would. Joshua 23, I'll read the first 13 verses. Joshua the Jewish leader. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers and said to them, I am old and advanced in years. You have all seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. And the Lord your God, he shall thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left in order that you may not associate with these nations these which remain among you or mention the name of their gods or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them but you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done this day for the Lord has driven out great and strong nation from before you and as for you no man has stood before you to this day one of your men puts to flight a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised you so take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you, and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, 
until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Most of you know the story. On screen is his first idea. Something that Joshua was contributing to his people. Something we need to remember. God has blessed our nation with power and privilege. That's what Joshua was saying to his people. Remember, they had conquered the promised land, been fighting for years, lots of losses. And they survived. And they gained the land. History is clear. The battles were bloody. The toll was high. Nothing came easy. Joshua had led these people. And now it was a time of peace. And they were working on establishing a nation. And getting their act together. And living as a people. In harmony with themselves. And trying to work with others. And those kinds of things. Not an easy thing to do. And you know that. And he wanted to remind them of something. So he brought them together. So this is the elder statesman who gathered us together, who gathered them together, and began to talk about all the things that God had done. And he talked about how God had worked for them for several decades. If you would, look at verse 3 again. Still 23. You've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. Verse 9. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. He didn't go into detail, but the battles were fresh on the people's minds. They understood that they really were not a warring nation. They were a nation of migrants, wanderers, not a trained army at all. And yet they had conquered Conquered great nations. It was obvious when they went into battle that God was with them. That they were doing the right thing. That God was blessing them and giving them victory when they shouldn't have been able to do those things. And Joshua wanted them to understand the only reason that God has blessed you is because you were following him. They weren't perfect and you know that. They made many mistakes. But they were trying. They had sincere hearts. They were trying to do what God wanted them to do. They were trying to be biblical. They were trying to follow the word of God. They had what Moses had given them. They had Joshua giving them encouragement. And you've read all those stories. And so he was just reminding them the only reason we're here today free is because God has blessed us. You see, he didn't fall for the trap in thinking we're at the top of the heap because we're better than everybody else. That's a trap, isn't it? So today, what are we doing? Well, here's what you're doing. You're standing here, and there's an old guy talking to you, and I'm now an old guy. My kids let me know, because I'm feeble the way they act. So I'm an old guy telling you that God has blessed us, hasn't he? Every day. When someone says, God bless you, I instinctively say, he already has. If God never blessed me again from now on, I could still say God has blessed me. Regardless of what happens in our nation after this point in time, we can always say God has blessed us. Of course, we want him to continue to bless us. I sometimes feel guilty. I say, God, would you bless me? I, say, I do that. 
I know you do. And I sometimes feel guilty. But then I think, if my granddaughter asked me for something, I would give it to her. And if she asked me for something next week, I would give it to her. And if she asked me for something the week after that, I would give it to her. I wouldn't always give her everything she wanted, because that's a trap too. But I would want her to ask me. God wants us to ask for blessings. Not free blessings, I'm going to do whatever I want, God give me stuff. That's not what we're talking about. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you in your life. Maybe not give you everything you want, but provide you those things that can give joy and peace. One of the things we have to remember when we pray as a nation and we give thanks to God for a nation, we are a blessed nation. We are not necessarily the blessed nation. And there's a distinction. God has blessed us because we've stumbled into the right way of life through faith. And the way God's teachings are is when you live your life according to biblical teachings, you experience God's blessing. So, when you try, you make an effort to live a life where, and I'll do it on a personal level first, when you make an effort to live in a relationship with others and follow biblical teachings, treat people with respect, courtesy, kindness, restrain your temper and your mouth and work hard, God's blessings will often come, won't they? It's the same thing with our nation. When we as a nation generally try to live according to God's teachings, and that doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to go to church, but it does mean that God's teachings about justice and fairness and treating people equally, that those things can bring God's blessings. How we value human life, how we value those that are different from us, how we make sure that those that are different from us get the same opportunities as we do. We know we cannot guarantee the same results for everybody. That's a problem called equity. Equality is when everybody has the same chance Equity is when everybody gets the same result. And of course, that's not realistic. And it isn't real world. But equality, where everybody has a chance. Where people are treated fairly. Where people are given an opportunity for education and those kinds of things. When a nation does those kinds of things, they experience the blessings of God. Not because they're better than everybody else, but because biblical-based actions... Actions to follow God's teachings bring God's blessings. It, it really is a very simple cause and effect thing. Doesn't mean God loves us more than anyone else. See, there's another trap. God absolutely loves us as Americans. But guess what? He absolutely loves those in Ukraine. And Russia. And China. And Korea's. And Vietnam. I was talking... I've mentioned this friend of my daughter's who are missionaries to Vietnam. In talking to her over the months that they've become fast friends, they're going back this week, by the way. She talked about the Vietnamese people like 
Well, they're normal. But they're communist. Well, just because the communist government has guns and they don't. Amazingly, even some of the communists were people that she admired and respected. Even though they're, they've bought into a system that is inherently evil. And she made it clear that God's image is there. It's hard to imagine that, isn't it? People that are so different from us being created in the image of God. It doesn't mean that their political system is good or anything like that. It's not okay to hate those that are different from us. To stand against what they do, yes. But to hate them, no. Joshua was calling his people to be faithful. To recognize that God had blessed them. To recognize that God had given them victory over everything. But also to call them to faithfulness too. On screen are some things that we can be thankful for. Strong foundational beliefs. And again, when we say foundational beliefs, we're talking about the beliefs of the foundations of people were not perfect. Justice for all. We haven't done great with this. We're better than many nations. Got a lot of room for improvement, yes. Work hard. Yes. A very biblical value. You and I were brought up with those things. You may not realize just how essential that work hard value is to success in life and achieving God's blessings. There aren't many in human history who just to get, just to get to sit around and have everything. Hard work is a value. Being a worker is a value system. Someone who controls your tongue is a value. Someone who controls your anger is a value. I've been plowing through this book of Marco Polo's travel of Marco Polo. I try not to talk about it too much. Fascinating read. I recommend it. He would talk about the different peoples and how they would be so successful. Self-discipline was a value among every peoples that were successful. Controlling their anger was a value among everyone that was successful. Being honest with others was a value that was essential to being successful. Those are biblical values, aren't they? Interestingly enough, he encountered many churches in his travels. There were Nestorians, which is the brand, a break off of Christianity. And they had some goofball beliefs, but they were essentially Christian. And they had a great influence. They didn't have a lot of converts. But those biblical teachings of justice that made a lot of difference. And it doesn't mean that everybody was good. Kublai Khan was a tyrant. Nothing good about that. But when he encountered successful people, some of those foundational values were there. Look at you. Look at the greatest nation, the, the greatest generation, Tom Brokaw called my parents' generation. When they wanted something, what did they do? They got up and worked. When you dealt with them, a handshake was enough because they were honest. 
when they spoke, they said the truth. Sometimes it was a little coarse and kind of hard to take. But almost always the truth. And again, some people broke the rules, I get it. But those were actions that brought great blessings to the people. When you pattern your life, and when a people pattern your life after biblical teachings, whether you are a Christian or not, you experience God's blessings. That's, that's the way God is. He blesses his people when they live right. Guess what? He blesses other people when they apply Christian ethical teachings to their lives. Honesty, justice, fairness, a good work ethic. You may not like it, but that is the way it is. Human and natural resources, we've been blessed with a nation that has almost everything. Coal, oil, lots of sunshine, lots of wind, lots of water. The natural resources really are almost unlimited. And then human resources. I saw an interview the other day of, of a, a Catholic priest. He was talking about Ukraine and wanting to help Ukraine. And, and the, the lady that was interviewing this priest said, well, well, don't you think you need government monies to do these sorts of things, these missions? And he goes, I really think that God's people can do this. God has unlimited resources and he can do this. Pretty amazing thought, I thought. Wow. Stable governments, governance, depends on the day, I guess, here in America. You may not like the current crop. Just wait, it'll get better or worse, right? But... For over 200 years as a people, we have fussed and feuded and disagreed on almost everything and chosen to stay together. That's why I said earlier that the current issues don't necessarily have to be existential in nature. The fact that we disagree with this or that doesn't have to destroy our nation. Like I found out at my family dinner, you can disagree and still be loved and part of the family. And if... God's people lead the way in doing that, in loving people and being gracious in spite of. We'll be fine. Strength and security. Joshua's people, they just had to fight and they had to get tough and they had to learn. They didn't like it, but they had to learn. On this earth, there will be struggles. You can choose to allow God to help you. Or you can give up your choice. Now one of the other things that Joshua said was that the blessings that God has given us now aren't guarantees for the future. I said earlier that not everything is an existential crisis. But I tell you what an existential crisis is. When a people reject Godly ways, that's an existential crisis. Remember those godly ways, not just gospel teachings, those are important because they do so much for us. But those teachings about justice and righteousness and honesty and hard work and fairness and those kinds of biblical values that are integral to a nation's strength. The existential crisis will come when we walk away from those things. When we can no longer know the truth when we can no longer trust anybody, 
when we can no longer trust institutions, that's an existential crisis. We're not there yet. I'm not saying it, it's a foregone conclusion that we will or will not make that, but you know, Joshua was telling the people, listen, you have done great things and God has blessed you. And as long as you continue on this path, God will continue to bless you and you will be strong. But then there's the warning. If you're not careful, if you allow ungodly teachings to become part of who you are, if you reject biblical teachings, if you re reject those godly values that give you a form, firm foundation, you will fall. Sometimes the fall comes because God chooses to punish. Don't think for a minute that God can't do that. He can rise up great nations to punish us. He did it with the Hebrew people, didn't he? Nothing's changed. The God who is God will always be God. So what we have to do is be careful. And I know that we live in a democratic nation with elections and we're not going to have all Christians in government. About that, I wish I could say that if all the people that we elected were Christians that everything would be hunky-dory, but you know better, don't you? Power has a way of distorting people and Christians who gain power and try to use that power to force other people to be Christian almost always pervert the gospel just the way it is. Read, read your history books. It's just terrifying what people do in the name of Jesus. We've got to be careful. I think when Paul mentioned the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, he needed us to understand that is a value. That is something that happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. When you study scripture and you see then this thing called self-control and justice and freedom becomes very important. And again, you can fight for your perspective as well you should. Have those discussions with friends and family graciously. Stand for the truth. But don't stray from God while you do it. It is easy to become evil in the name of Jesus. Again, read your history books. The story of crusades is not a story of, of good, righteous Christians spreading the gospel. That's not what happened. They were murdering marauders in the name of Jesus. And Jesus wept, I'm sure. We must be careful. Careful how we use our power. Careful how we use our freedom. On screen are some things we can do. Time is short, I know. The struggle for faithfulness. If you want to be a faithful Christian, this is one way to approach it. Resist sin. This is you in your life. When you are challenged, tempted, drawn to do or say those things that you know do not honor Christ, think hard. Make hard choices. Resist. The fact that you feel strongly isn't the determining factor. Some people, and we hear this on screen all the time, that 
if they feel a way, then that's the truth. Well, that's not necessarily true, is it? Sometimes you have strong feelings and convictions, but you haven't really thought about them. It's happened to me, probably happened to you. And you say these things, and then someone brings something up, and you go, well, I never thought about that. I never even heard that. So, resist sin in your person. Before you say it, does it pass the test? Grace and kindness. Before you do it, does it pass the test? Biblical teaching. Gracious and kind. Never sacrifice your Christian convictions for the sake of winning an argument or getting your way. It's a hard thing to do. Another thing, a willingness to cling to the faith that has brought us here. So here's the problem. Christianity has a bad reputation, some of it earned. This idea that we follow Jesus as Savior, of course, that's the gospel. The idea that people need Jesus, that's the gospel. The idea that everybody needs Jesus, regardless of their background, that's the gospel. The idea that only in Jesus is their salvation, that's the gospel. Don't ever be embarrassed by those things. Those are the essences of the faith that brought you here. When you were saved, it was very simple. You were a sinner. You needed Jesus. And you asked him to save you. And then for some reason we forget that very simple model. And we make it very difficult. And because sometimes Christians fail us. And sometimes Christian institutions fail to be Christian. Then it makes the gospel look bad. I became aware of the fact that uh, uh, there's a, a large Christian organization, Hillsong. You may be aware of it. But Hillsong is a, a worldwide group of churches started out in Australia. And they came up and they, it was a gifted organization. It's been around for about, well, since the mid-70s, 1970s and such. And it was just a, a church that took off. And you probably have, may have not have heard of Hillsong. But you have sung many of, your, of their songs here. They have been one of the most influential body of churches, and it's kind of a mini denomination, one of the more influential bodies of churches in the last 50 years or so easily. Turns out, and this just made the news over the last few months, that the founding pastor was a child molester, philanderer, and that his son, the lead pastor, hid it, used church money for hush money, all those kinds of things, it's rampant. Not everybody knew it, but some in leadership did. So now the call is to eliminate Hillsong from human history. To never mention them, to never sing their songs, etc., etc. And online, and again, I do this just because I have to. I try to keep up on things. The word is, see, I knew it. You can't trust Christians. Well, that's not the truth at all, is it? It's just Christians fall. But the gospel, what brought you to salvation, is still true. Regardless of what that preacher did or those song leaders did or whatever, regardless of what dumb things Christians may say on talk shows or on TV, the gospel is still the gospel. So we have to remember to hang on to that faith. Joshua's people had a tendency to marry cute girls. Yeah. Who knew? Those men, when they 
conquered other nations. They were surrounded by this nation and there were pretty girls everywhere. And they said, well, let's marry that girl. She's cute. Nothing wrong with that. It's natural. Bring her on. And the problem was she came practicing her faith, which wasn't the Jewish faith. Sweet little girl. Lots of babies. Guess what the wives were doing? The wives were bringing up their children, not in the Jewish faith, but in the other faith. So Joshua said, be careful. Y you can't do this. He didn't say they're bad people. He said, if you bring them into your house, they will mess you up on a spiritual level. What that means is here, we've got to be careful not to mix the teachings of other faiths with the gospel. Stay true to the biblical text. Stay true to the message of salvation, and repentance of sin, and salvation in Jesus and in only Jesus. Stay true to the message of the Bible as God's word. Trust him and him alone. And one other thing, and this is the struggle for faithfulness. Be humble, watch your ego. You're not better than anyone else because you follow Jesus. And then get up and get the work. The work of a servant. This is what God wants us to do. To serve him. To serve the gospel. To serve the kingdom of God. To serve other people's needs. And so when you wonder, well, what does God want me to do? God wants you to love people and serve people in the name of Jesus. It can be through a church thing or any number of civic organizations or even just on your own. Serve other people. You don't have to be heavy-handed about it. I finally sort of figured out how to talk to people when I help them, give them money or something like that. And I say it very casually, and they say, why are you doing this? I say, you know, I said, you know, God's been good to me this year, so I want to help you. When I help someone in the name of the church, you know, someone comes and they say, you know, God has been good to us. He's given us more than we need. We're going to help you. And we're generous. That's a servant spirit. It took me a long time to get there. I tended not to, not to give help to everybody because I wanted them to deserve it. I only wanted to give money to people who deserved it. And, I, and that's a trap, isn't it? Because people are sinners. Not everybody deserves everything. Sometimes they just need help. It took me a long time to realize that the mama, who's a drug addict, has hungry kids... And I still need to help her because she has hungry kids. It took me a long time to get there. I didn't want to help them because I didn't like her actions. Sometimes I just have to help them because the kids are hungry. Humble servant. They're the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey his voice. The Jewish people are far from perfect. And yet, today they stand as one of the strongest nations on the planet. 
God blesses those who follow him. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's a sinner. Sin taints us all. But that doesn't mean we can't serve God and be a people known for serving God. Let me challenge you to do that very thing today. In your personal life, but also in the way you live your life with others. And maybe even in the way that you assert your faith in this conversation we have in the community. Would you stand with me please? Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn. Follow Jesus. Love other people. Let them see a God who causes you to love. Nate? of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, y'all for coming today. Michelle, come and lead us in a closing prayer, please. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the many blessings that we enjoy. Lord, help us to be your light in a broken world. Listen when we want to speak. Give more than we take. Encourage each other. Demonstrate your love, kindness, and respect to everyone. And as we live and walk in your ways, Lord, just help us to remember to focus on peace. Amen.